Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, guys. So feel so humbled, you know. I remember when I was first launched into ministry back in 2000, and um, I had a, a gift of prophecy that would operate through me, which is very different than a word of knowledge gift. So word of knowledge gift, many of you have seen it operate like this. There's a man here, or maybe you're a woman. And the Lord is showing me, I get this strong, that you're either sitting on this side of the room or this side of the room. And I feel like you have a nose. Is there anybody here, man, woman, right? Now, we, we know that's not true, but, but a lot of my buddies were moving in high-level words of knowledge. And then I would show up to the church, and I would get up, and I would begin to prophesy future things happening. And I had no credibility, no recognition, and they'd go... That's interesting, you know, you know, you know, when you're a young itinerant minister and then the service is over and you sit down for lunch and no one's saying anything. That happened to me a lot. Okay. <laughs> and then two to three years later, I started getting all these phone calls and they would say, you won't believe this. What you prophesied is happening. It took two to three years before I began to have a credible name with the prophetic gift. And so here I am 18 years later. And it is so humbling, just the journey of the Lord. And so each one of you guys that are on the process, I'm only 18 years, some of you are 40 years, 50 years, God is faithful to his promise. And uh, it's like, it's like um, one of my old pastors used to say, even a blind squirrel gets a nut once in a while. <laughs> I love the prophetic. <laughs> I believe in the prophetic. I love that God can see in the midst of whatever we're going through, and he can speak a word of hope. Amen? Yeah. Last night was so fun. I got to tell you guys this quick story before I get into the message. So I, don't, I didn't know that I, my jeans were flared at the bottom. I'm pretty insecure about this. <laughs> Some of you may identify with me. Others don't. I have really big legs and a big, you know, rice and beans, Puerto Rican backside. <laughs> and so I thought I had nice jeans. But Pastor John was just looking at me, not saying very much, but just this judgmental look in his, in his heart. And I was like, this is getting so self-conscious of my wardrobe. I was like, you want to take me to the mall? He's like, yes. I left the mall with two bags of clothes, and as I'm getting out of the mall, I'm like, I don't even need any of this stuff. So don't go shopping with him, because you'll end up buying stuff you don't need. So last night we had an incredible time at Thrive at the Young Adults event. I'm so proud of you guys, the young leaders that led it. You guys led it with calmness and poise, and I was so impressed. I wanna share something with you, and we have to test the prophetic word, amen? This is very important. You can't judge me, but you can judge the word. I had a, a vision during worship, and in the vision I saw this massive crane and it came and it grabbed the hold of this building. And it started lifting the building. And there were roots that didn't want to let go of the building. And it pulled, and finally, it pulled the building up. And I feel like you're going to outgrow the building. And that the Lord is speaking and saying there's going to be a move. And for many of you that have been here for a very, very long time, you're kind of like those roots that don't want to let go. And what I would speak to you by the word of the Lord is that the Lord is doing something here. He wants to reposition you to reach a harvest of millennials. It's not just the millennials. 
but I specifically feel like part of the transition and shift, and there's so much that's already in the heart of the leaders, coffee shops, and all these things that God wants to develop that is going to require a shift. And so we'll see if it happens, right? Like I remember when I was here and I looked and I said, how many of you guys have taken the Welton Academy? So if those of you that haven't, it's an incredible Bible school I would recommend. And, um, but after you go through Bible school, after a while, you don't know if like what you're preaching is biblical anymore. <laughs> right? You're like, if I'm wrong, just forgive me. Turn to, you know. And we hear all these words, you know, revival, awakening, the third great this and the this and another Jesus people movement. After a while, I don't know what we're waiting for. Waiting for something. But that's the only word that came to me was awakening. And I want us to stand together this morning before I get into the message. And I want to make a declaration. Close your eyes with me. Let's just make a declaration. We are in awakening. You're not waiting for an awakening. You are in awakening right now. The angels are stirring the waters. They're opening up a well, a pool of Bethesda of healing, a place that people would come and get refreshed and restored and send out. You're not waiting. It's here. It's now. Now the responsibility is stewardship. God lights the fire, but the priest's responsibility to keep the fire stoked. And I'm speaking to the priests in the city. Maybe you're here from other churches. Maybe you're here in leadership in this church. Awakening is here. The commissioning is happening. The, the waters are being stirred. I can feel it. I travel a lot. It's happening. But if you're going to wait for a firework from the sky, and then, no, right now, in your heart, position yourself that you're going to live different. There's a difference between visitation of God and habitation of God. If I come over your house for a day, you can take the clothes, shove it under the bed, and it'll be fine. But if I'm moving into your house, things have to be changed. And I declare over you that God is not just visiting, he's moving in. And that there needs to be shifts that are going to take place, that the Father can have a house here. He can dwell here, he can abide here. So let's just begin to declare, on three, we're in awakening. One, two, three. We are in awakening. We need to do it again, because some of you didn't believe it. So, some of you have been so, like, waiting for another Jesus people movement. You know what God is doing in this hour? He's waiting for his people to move with Jesus. That's what's going on. So some of you that are still waiting for revival, you know what I've seen with a generation is hope deferred has made their hearts sick because they're still waiting for something. The kingdom of heaven is where? At hand. Let's declare it again. I'm in awakening. One, two, three. We're in awakening. Woo. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. And you see how that begins to unfold in your own life. I'm going to shift gears here for a moment. I tend to be, you know, early on in my ministry, some of you, how many of you remember me back from the Fresh Fire days by show of hands? I know I see a few. All right. I wasn't known as a joyful person. I was young and I had the prophetic grace on my life. I had a terrible character and lots of owies in my heart. And I would call your garbage out. They called me the prophetic pit bull. When the senior leadership of the church had a problem to deal with somebody, they'd call my office, and I'd know. And I'd get a word of knowledge, and I'd come in, and I'd just bang, 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 and they'd cry, and then I'd smile, and I'd leave. <laughs> That's not good. And then I received the prophetic word, and the prophetic word was, we see you, this was the actual word, like a Jesse Duplantis, where you're just going to make people laugh. There's a spirit of joy on your life. And I went, spirit of joy on my life? Who's got time for joy? When people are dying, 
and burning in hell. The church is sleeping. You know what I mean? That was me. Like, oh, God. I would go into churches and rebuke them. But because it was accurate, they'd keep bringing me back. Don't do that. They'd, one pastor told me, I really don't like it when you preach, but I love it when you prophesy. So can you just prophesy? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, after that prophetic word, something happened. I would be in the midst of teaching on the cross. And I would like take every single facet of the cross and be as vivid and graphic as possible. You know, Leonard Ravenhill. And I'm just gonna, and then all of a sudden the crowd would laugh. And I'd be like, <laughs> and joy would start happening. And I thought, Lord, I think God would get people drunk in the spirit when I'd preach for them. <laughs> and then people start sharing me pictures of my facial expressions. I don't try to be funny. I'm just look funny, I guess. I'm saying all that to say, I'm going to share a message with you this morning. As soon as Pastor John asked me to come, two messages came to my heart. What I shared last night with the 18 to 30-year-olds is God is raising up a Justice League. And we taught what true justice is. There's so many confused messages out there about justice. Justice is a good thing, biblically. And maybe we can post that video up there. True justice, administering true justice is taking care of the widows and the poor and the oppressed. That is biblical justice. And God's raising up a justice league and it's not just an age thing, amen? But the word that I'm carrying this morning is on empowering grace. And I wanna share this and if I get really serious and intense, I'm not mad at anyone. This message has so impacted me. And I have to be very honest with you. I feel a bit exhausted of hearing people attack grace. It is by the grace of God that I stand. Every morning when I wake up, it's by the grace of God. And what I want to share with you this morning is that people largely are arguing about a subject matter because they have the wrong definition of grace. I like my grace hyper. I like it greasy. I like it sloppy. Listen, I need heaps upon heaps of grace. If my wife was here, she'd go, amen, louder than anyone else. <laughs> so here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to take a drink. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by take a drink? Because sometimes what happens is you've been so conditioned through the media, your Christian TV radio station, your YouTube videos that you're watching, to have, you have trigger words. Grace has become a trigger word in the body of Christ. What I'm asking you to do is take a drink. What happens when you take a drink and you're talking to somebody? You're quiet. You're receiving. Do me a favor and take a drink. Be a good Berean. And see if what I'm saying is true. That's what the Bereans did. They searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true, not wrong. What I believe is happening is there's an attack on grace. Because actually it's the very thing that the church needs to advance. So we're going to dive into this. We're going to dive into this. I'm going to move here. There was a, um, in, in 2009, John Bevere's ministry did a, um, a survey. Bible-believing, Sunday morning, spirit-filled Christians, those that call themselves Christians, all over North America, they did an interview and they asked a few questions. And the first, uh, they asked, what is the definition of grace? Give me th three or more definitions or descriptions of the grace of God. An overwhelming majority of the responders define grace as, number one, salvation. Number two, an unmerited gift and forgiveness of sins. 
So the, most of the North American church, the understanding of the grace of God is unmerited favor, forgiveness, or what's the third thing I said? Salvation. That is part of the definition of grace, but it is an incomplete definition of grace. Based on your perspective of grace, I can determine how you understand salvation. If your understanding of grace is that God extended a favor to you, grace is God extended a favor to me. Much of what the church believes is grace is actually mercy. Let me give you an example. You're speeding down the road. Not any of you, right? We wouldn't do that. Some heathen is speeding down the road. <clears throat> the thing I don't understand, if you're going to speed, why do you have a fish in the back of the car? That's the one. You know, I just, just know I don't have a church bumper sticker on the back of my car. Anyway, you know, you ever cut somebody off and then you end up pulling the same parking lot as them? You're like, dang it. It's worse when it's church, you know. <laughs> I, I, I was just waving to you. I just was saying hi because I recognized you from church. I wasn't raging at all. Anyway. A cop pulls you over for speeding. He comes up to the car and he says, listen, you were speeding. I'm not going to give you a ticket today. That's mercy. You deserved a ticket, but I'm not going to give you one. If the same officer comes up and says, listen, not only am I not going to give you a ticket, but I'm going to give you $1,000, that's grace. In some languages, the word grace and mercy, actually there's no difference. That's terrible. They're different things. So now when you understand the word grace, I want to read you some of the definitions here. I really want to make sure that I'm pulling from the scripture. Amen? So there's, it's true that we're saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The definition of grace in the Strong's is goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. Then we stop there. The rest of the Strong says, of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon the soul, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to exercise of Christian values. That's a little bit different, isn't it? Let's just go back to this. Martin Luther believed, and he said, quoted as saying, and I'm going to say it way nicer than he said it, that we are just dung covered in snow. The understanding of grace from a Reformed perspective is that you say, Jesus, I'm a terrible sinner. I know you are. I extend you a favor. I've washed the sin away from you. Right? So grace is something that happens to you. That's what a lot of people believe. And if that's what you believe that grace is, then you are a sinner perpetually saved by grace. That's your identity. You're a sinner and you're saved by grace. And, and you know, you sin by faith because that's what sinners do. <laughs> now, if you understand grace the way I'm going to present it to you as the empowering presence of God, then it's not just something God does for you. It's not just a favor. It's something God does in you. And the grace of God transforms you from the inside out. Now it's something very different. God didn't just wash your sin off the whiteboard. He completely removed it. That's what the scripture says. Oftentimes we come before God and we say, God, I'm so sorry again. He goes, what are you sorry about? Why do you keep apologizing? I've forgotten your sins. I've cast them in the sea of forgetfulness. I'm telling you with all my heart that there's an understanding. Turn with me very, very quickly. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but that's okay. Turn with me very quickly to Romans chapter 5. I want you guys to see something. In Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start off in verse 
18. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation because it reads well. But I, I preach out of the, uh, I study out of the NASB. But anyway, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation, not sin. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. Because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. I'm not sure if that's actually the right verse. I'll get, I'll get to the verse in 17. Let me see here. It's one more around here. Let me just quote it to you. God's wonderful grace and his gift. The whole thing is good. <laughs> just read the whole book. <laughs> the passage says this. By, by the death of Christ, you were reconciled. But by the resurrection of Christ, you were saved. Stop thinking about that. By the death of Christ, you were reconciled. By the resurrection of Christ, you were saved. You were not saved by his death. This perspective of grace is death-centered Christianity. The emphasis is constantly that you need to die to self. It's all about sacrifice. It's all about repentance. And the understanding, I remember, I remember watching this video and this guy, he, he had a YouTube video, and people that we would love and recognize in our stream, and they showed his crusade. And the people were responding to Jesus in droves with joy, like a Reinhard Bonnke meeting. They're just coming up smiling. And then the guy goes, this is not biblical repentance. Then he shows one of his services. And basically he said, you're all terrible. You're nothing but worms. You're nothing but manure covered in, you know, and snow, and you're, you know, you're going to die and go to hell. And the people were in the front. <laughs> he says, this is repentance. See, over from this perspective, that's biblical repentance. You're crying, you're sad, you're a terrible sinner. You focus on the death of Jesus. The death-centered Christian comes up to the front every Sunday and says, God, I messed up again. God, I'm sorry, I did it again. I'm such a failure. I failed you again, God. Please forgive me. Death Center Christianity teaches you every night before bed, what do you do? It's what I was taught. You ask for forgiveness and you remind God of every single thing that you did wrong in the day. God, I'm sorry, I want to step my toe. I said a mean thing. <laughs> right? That's Death Center Christianity. The focus is I have to die. And you can tell people that are Death Center Christians because they're always talking about how great their sacrifice is. Oh, you know... I would serve, brother. It's going to be a huge sacrifice. That's death center Christianity. What you have to understand is the finished works of Christ are death, burial, resurrection, ascension, enthronement, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It has to be the whole meal deal. Jesus rose from the dead. He sits enthroned as King of kings and Lord of lords, and something amazing happens. When he died, you died with him, Romans 6. When he rose, you rose with him. When he sits enthroned, the Bible says you are seated with him in heavenly places. I want to encourage you this morning, stop trying to die and live. According to Romans 6, 6 and Galatians 2, 20, you were dead past tense. It's time to come alive to the fullness of who God's called you to be. As believers, you and I, we don't come to the cross, we come to the throne. He's living. To the, to the unbeliever, they come to the cross. See, this understanding of grace is so much of why the church is walking in, in, in just defeat. We need to bring people from the cross to the throne of God. Amen? Let's dive in here. We can see the effects of grace upon the human heart. Acts chapter 11, verse 23. 
Uh, it says that Barnabas arrived at the church of Antioch and saw the evidence of the grace of God and he was glad. We can see the evidence of the grace of God at work in someone. If you think of grace as just a, fa a favor from God, you're not seeing the evidence of it. You should be able to see the evidence of the grace of God. Here's the Zondervan's encyclopedia. A Bible word states this about charis, which is the word for grace. This grace is a dynamic force that does more than affect our standing with God by crediting us with righteousness. Grace affects our experience as well. Grace is marked always by God's enabling work within us to overcome helplessness. Come on. James Ryle, who was a pastor, he's quoted as saying that the grace of God is the empowering presence of God that causes you to do what you're called to do and be who you're called to be. When you understand the grace of God, charis, root word of charismata, the gifts of the spirit, divine enablement, power, when you understand that understanding of grace, then it begins to make sense while you, why the scripture says you're no longer under the law, you're under grace. That makes no sense if you think that the grace of God is God in heaven smiling and you can do anything wrong, you can sin, and God's just in heaven going, grace. That's why there's people that are writing books against grace because they have the wrong definition of grace. They think that grace is a license to sin. You know what? The Apostle Paul had to deal with that as well. But actually, if you understand grace, grace transforms you. Grace out of the presence of God. When I approached the throne of a living Christ, not Jesus dead on the cross, I got saved. I was only a few weeks old in the Lord. I came from a Catholic background. And I was at church one Sunday morning, and all of a sudden I saw a vision of Jesus on the cross, you know, the Catholic Jesus, the way I was taught as a boy. And I humbled my heart. And I was like, what am I seeing? And the Lord said, if I'm still on the cross in your mind, then you won't live a victorious life. I was a few weeks old in the Lord. I said, then where are you? He's not on the cross anymore. He's also not a baby anymore. I remember going to a, a church in Mexico, and it was a, a, a Catholic church, and they had, like in the sanctuary, the biggest dragon you've ever seen. Massive dragon. And uh, wrapping itself around a baby Jesus. Could you imagine being a child growing up in that church? What would you think about Jesus? He's not as strong as the great big dragon. And some of us, that's the approach that we've taken. I oh, just got to suffer. Listen, life will give you suffering. Right? You don't got to pray for suffering. The thief comes to steal, destroy, steal, kill, destroy. I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. This doesn't make any sense. Let's keep going unless you understand what biblical grace is. Let's keep moving here. I've got more verses for you guys. Let's let the Bible define grace. How does Jesus define grace? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Here's the apostle Paul said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. The word weak there is not weak in morals or character. It's insufficient. I am insufficient. I'm insufficient to stand up here before you people this morning. I need the enabling power of God to be able to get up here and preach the gospel. The apostle Paul is saying, I'm insufficient. I'm insufficient, God. And God speaks to him and says, my unmerited favor is all you need. It's not what he says. My grace, grace fills our insufficiencies. Whew. Listen, people. I don't know your education, your background, your upbringing. I'm just a Puerto Rican boy from New Jersey. 
And I stand before multitudes and I preach, teach theology. And every time I get up, I say, Father, I can't do anything without your empowering grace. Without his grace. That's why I get so frustrated when I hear people bashing grace. They're bashing the very thing that we need. You stand before the presence of a living Christ. Out of his person emanates his glory. The manifested presence of God. When the glory of God, when people start to perceive the manifested presence of God, you know what's amazing about that? Listen, let me just share something. A little bit of rabbit trail, but it'll be good for us. In Genesis chapter, I could be getting this wrong, 26, it talks about an encounter that Jacob had in a place. Remember this? Even if my reference is wrong, you'll know the story. Jacob rested his head upon this rock, and then the angels of God, he saw a ladder, angels of God ascended, descended. What did Jacob say? Surely this is the house of God. And he named it Bethel. It's interesting when you study it out that in that day they had local deities. Yahweh was God over this region. But if you walked over to the next city, they might worship Baal. Are you tracking? Okay. And so Jacob now, he's running from his situation. He goes into another place. He rests his head upon a rock. He encounters God. And Jacob thinks God lives here. This is the geographical location of God. Many of you in this room believe that. That's not, I'm not trying to get it, be offensive. We've been taught to think this way. But because we haven't continued Jacob's journey. Are you ready? About 10 chapters later, somewhere in 36, Jacob, he, he discovers something. Jacob encounters God at Bethel. And then the next morning he wakes up and he walks into another town. And he goes, God, you're still here. And then he walks into another town. He goes, God's still with me. Everywhere he goes, he discovers that God is with him. It was not about the geographical location. It was always about Jacob. In Genesis chapter 10 chapters later, about 36, somewhere around there, Jacob goes back to that place and he renames the place El Bethel. It's no longer just the house of God. It's the God of the house of God. Are you tracking with this? I want you to understand something very, very important. The same glory that rested upon the Ark of the Covenant, the same spirit of glory that rested upon Jesus, the very glory of God that when the nations would see the Ark of the Covenant coming in and they would fear because the manifested presence of God, that same glory rests upon you right now. And many of us, we feel like the only way to get the glory is if we go drive down to this church or go down to this church or go down to that church. And listen, I love the corporate gathering. Hear my heart. It is important. There is a manifested glory that's found in the corporate. But first thing I want you to realize is Colossians 1.26 and 7 says this. It's a mystery. But I speak of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are the temple of God on the earth. There is no third temple being built. I'm sorry. You are Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. You are a temple that's being built up, a habitation for God right now. There's a measure of the presence of God in this building because these guys know how to steward the presence well. But when you guys walked in, that's when the presence really came in. Because you're carriers of the glory of God. This is so important. Why? Because when you realize as you stand before a living Christ and his manifested glory, he sees glory is manifesting. The, uh, the heaven is filled with love. Love is the currency of heaven. Faith, hope. Listen, faith, hope, and love are not just words or for a little placard on your bathroom. We need to begin to realize the power of words. Words were shaped by his word. 
Let me say it again. Worlds were shaped by his word. God spoke and things happened. You can look at someone. Listen, I don't always have to pray and ask God's will for your life. Listen to me, please. I know God's will for your life. Oh, this kid sounds humble. No, I know his will. I know my father. He wants to bless you. If you're going through a discouraging season, I know my father. He wants you to walk in victory. I know him. He wants you to prosper. He wants you blessed. He wants you to be a good dad and a good mom and a good husband and a good spouse. I know the heart of my God. Now, all of a sudden, if you're in this side of grace, unmerited favor, I'm still a sinner. God's a scary judge. He's always angry. Listen, some people think God's like this in heaven. I shared this with the Thrive last night. God wakes up in the morning. He goes to put one of those little pods in the Keurig. There's no coffee left. He doesn't want to make a pot. When you got a Keurig, you don't want to make a pot of coffee. Man, he's already having a bad day. He goes over to get, the, to get the coffee pot, doesn't even know where it is. He hits his toe. Dang it, I'm judging America. Ah! <laughs> the heck? Those are angry prophets, not an angry God. It's misrepresenting the heart of God. You're in a new covenant of forgiveness. There is a judgment. But people don't understand judgment in the new covenant. They don't. I hear it all the time, Facebook prophets. I go, good Lord, be quiet. But they have a thousand views. Anybody can have influence these days. Understand that God is judge. But he is your father. What is your relationship with the judge? If you're on the other side and you're the one being judged, ah! But when the judge takes off his robe and he goes home, his kid runs up and jumps on his lap. We have to understand sonship, church. All creation is eagerly waiting for the manifest sons to be revealed. And for some reason, when we preach on the goodness of God, people get nervous. It'd be like me standing up here and saying, I want to talk to you about my dad. I love my dad. He's turning 70 soon. Don't make me cry. I love my dad. He's gentle. He's kind. He's a good listener. He's my friend. Don't forget he used to spank you, brother. <laughs> That's what we think balance is. No, you be quiet. Let me brag about my dad. And when I'm walking with my father in a relationship with him, I can trust that he's going to discipline me. And much of the argument over grace is a doctrine, not a person. When I'm standing before his throne, love, hope, faith, life, emanate, his power emanates. You know what else is emanating? His grace. The grace of God emanates from his person, empowering me to obey. It empowers me to walk. It empowers me to preach. Here's another verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 10. Much of the arguments frustrate me because they're so unmerited. Well, that sloppy grace thing makes you lazy. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God work with me. You can see grace and grace works. I want to encourage you in your business, at home, in your, you know, mothers. My wife is a homeschool mom. Good night. That's hard. I'm always like, babe, we can put them back to school whenever you want to. It's hard being a home. Any homeschool moms in the house? I have three boys, 12, 10, and 8. He touched me. He's looking at me. He's in this. He... All the... They have recess like every 10 minutes. I'm like, babe, another recess? 
You know what starts to happen? Mothers, you know what starts to happen? You start to get into that place in your tank. Let's get practical here. Where you're, there's nothing else to draw from. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're cranky, but you got to love the kids. Here's a practical word for you. Pause, close your eyes and say, Father, I receive your grace. I receive your grace to empower me in this, seat, in this moment to be a good mom. You watch what happens. I was sitting on my couch a few days ago feeling so lazy, man. Just sitting there and just going, God, man, I used to be so active. And I heard him say, ask for my grace. I said, Lord, I receive your grace. All of a sudden, I see a picture of me jogging. I thought, that'd be a good idea. <laughs> Listen, I have a lot of good ideas. But then all of a sudden, after I saw that picture, I felt energy. <sighs> and I said to my son, you want to go for a run? Sure, Dad. Went for a run, swung the cattle. It was amazing. This is not just a doctrine. I'm tired of wrestling over doctrines. We're talking about relationship with a person. Jesus Christ is living. And as you come before his throne of grace in prayer, it's his throne of what? It's his throne of grace. It empowers you to walk like Christ did on the earth. Grace and power are often found together in Scripture. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them all. You'll often see grace and power working together. How about this verse? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by food. Think about that for a minute. In the same way that eating, well, if you eat, you know, healthy, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking a lot of times I, eat, I get tired. Wait a minute. No, that's because I'm eating the wrong thing. If you eat burgers all the time, you're in trouble. Listen, but if you have a kale salad, <laughs> I'm not judging anyone, but anybody offer you a kale salad? You just go, okay, there was a side of fried chicken with the kale salad. Anybody ever change your diet every meal? Okay, anyway. You eat healthy, it empowers you. You, you, you come alive. I was a vegetarian for 21 days, and then I, Kentucky, Kentucky Fried Chicken drove by, and then that was the end of it. But when you eat healthy, you actually come alive. Paul is comparing the grace of God to food. Grace is like you're jogging, you're running. One time, this long time ago. I was jogging, and I was like, I wonder what it feels to have a runner's high. I never, I never experienced that before. So I kept pushing myself, kept pushing myself. I did three miles a long time ago, guys. Some of you are looking at me with disbelief. You have more disbelief in your heart over me running three miles than the grace message. I can see that. And then all of a sudden, it was hard. My, I, my lungs were burning, and I'm like, I'm going to push through. I'm going to push through. I'm going to push through. All of a sudden, <gasps> energy and I ran seven miles it's like that is the grace of God God has provided you and I this when life gets hard when things get tough when there's areas in your life you're a businessman there's inadequacies you're tired you're exhausted pause stand before the throne of grace and receive the energy that you need amen now watch this Romans 5, 17. All who have received God's abundant grace 
are freely put right with him will rule in life through Christ. If you still have this understanding of grace and you're so worried, you're so concerned, be careful when you hear somebody preach on grace. Right? You know where they're coming from. They're coming from a Calvinistic mindset. They're coming from death-centered Christianity where the emphasis is always sin. Listen, sin put Jesus on the cross. Is that true? And you know what? The Bible says that sin hardens the heart. The deceitfulness of sin hardens the heart. So then how then should we preach in life-centered Christianity? I want to share with you very quickly. Let's say you're coming from this perspective. What's the most important thing when you want to lead somebody to Jesus? They got to know they're a sinner. And there's all these strategies, aren't there? Well, you know, the Ten Commandments. Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you... Have a, have a, have a. <laughs> what you want to do is make them feel terrible. Right? I got to make you feel like a sinner. Listen. The world also, according to Romans chapter 1, unless they're a psychopath, they have a conscience. Come on, people. Even before we were saved, when we sinned, we felt wrong. That's Romans chapter 1. God has given us a conscience. Now, we just shut that voice down after a while, though, don't we? Now, over here, I'm going to minister to somebody that's not saved. Are you ready? Hey, how's it going? Can I pray for you? Can I? Uh, if that, this is what they tell me. You know what they tell me? If, if, if that would make you happy. It would make me really happy. <laughs> then I ask God this question. Who's the most important person in their life? A lot of times it's their mom. For moms, it's obviously their kids. And I will try to lean in for accuracy for the mother or the child. And I'll pick stuff up. And I'll start praying prophetically for that one person. You know what happens to that mom? I look up, they're crying. The person that didn't believe in Jesus, all of a sudden now, their heart begins to bow. And they begin to agree with me in prayer. And they go, God, I I don't even know if you exist. But if you're out there and you're this good, would you touch my daughter and deliver her from addiction? In that moment, I'm not saying they got born again, but in that moment, their heart yielded. Way more than over here, you're a terrible, unworthless sinner. See, he, he rose from the dead. In this moment, as I'm prophesying over them, they are feeling the life and virtue of God flow. And you know what? They start to come alive. Jesus is preaching a message that you never hear or read in any church planning book. You got a big crowd. What do you do? Keep it simple. You don't want to offend anybody now, right? This is what I've read, at least when I planted my church. Here's the multitudes. Jesus gets up and he goes, hi, Jesus. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Oh, you're all leaving. That's Jesus the prophet. Jesus the pastor would have taken the handle that differently. He would have said, listen, I just want to make sure that all of you are comfortable. I want you to sit down where you're at right now. Some of you are passing water bottles. We're also going to throw in the visitor's card there. And uh, we want to get your names. You know, we want to make sure that you're plugged into a healthy community, that you have relationship, that you have a place to belong. All right. The prophet gets up there and he goes, I'm going to test the motivations of their heart. Boom. And something happens. He looks at his disciples. What are you guys going to do? You know what Peter says? My paraphrase. When you speak. I come alive. Where else would I go? 
The words that you speak are spirit and life. The words you speak from the throne of grace over people are spirit and life. I want to encourage you. Some people don't like a happy gospel. Listen, I didn't even start preaching the gospel. The gospel is very happy. Something happens when people hear the true gospel being preached, that Jesus on the cross said it is finished, and the veil was torn from top to bottom, and you don't have to come from a certain bloodline, and you don't have to be a high priest, and you don't have to do sacrificial offerings in the temple, but you can come boldly before the throne of grace, even if you are struggling with sin. You can walk into his throne, and when he looks at you, he doesn't go, fo, apestoso. Then Spanish is like, stinky. I can't let you in until you take a bath. That's not what he does. What the father does is found in Luke chapter 15. When he sees his son that was squandered all of his inheritance with prostitutes and he slept in the pigs, the father jacks up his pants or his dress or whatever they call it, right? Kilt, I don't know. And according to what things I've read in Hebrew culture, that was dishonoring for him to expose his legs. It might be because they were so pale. But anyway. <laughs> and, he, and he runs over. And he doesn't stop and say to the son, there's three things that you have to do before I'll embrace you. He embraces him. Listen. It really is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And people that come from this and transition here, they're a lot happier. Because I know that yes, I'm going to struggle, but I don't stand before God that's like, <laughs> I joked quite a bit last night with the Thrive Young Adults. My mom conditioned us kids. If she just went like that, we all went like that. Because in the Puerto Rican family, there's something called the chancleta. And the chancleta is the sandal. And my mom had a black belt in using the sandal. And somehow she could be washing the dishes and I'd roll my eyes in another room and she just, and it, it curve around halls. I don't know how it happened. And it is hilarious now. I love it. I love my upbringing. But back, but back then, if that's what you're used to, when you approach God, what do you think he's going to do? I'll forgive you after I don't talk to you for a few days. I'll forgive you after I yell at you and lose control. Why do we expect God to have a different set of, of traits than the fruit of the Spirit? Why does he ask us to be patient and long-suffering, but our view of God is, oh, he's judging America again. Good Lord, leave America alone. <laughs> I have a global perspective. I travel all over the world. You know what? There's more countries than America. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. When you understand the grace, I'm coming to an end here. When you understand grace from this understanding, empowering presence of God, this scripture makes sense. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. The law could only restrain people. Grace, on the other hand, is the empowerment that frees us from what we couldn't free ourselves from in our own ability. Did you know grace grows? Did you know not all of us have the same level of grace? God gives grace to the humble. Those walking in pride... That grace that's flowing is because they can do it on their own strength. They don't need his grace. I want in this community, because I feel like we're family. I want in this community 
that whenever you read Pauline epistles and you see the word grace, that in your mind you interject empowering presence of God. Watch what happens to the Bible to you. All of a sudden you realize we are really called to reign as kings in this life. I want us to stand this morning. Close your eyes for a moment. Worship team can come up. I'm going to transition to some ministry. But close your eyes for just a moment. Father, we receive your grace. That's all I want you to do right now is just close your eyes and just yield your heart to God and just pray that prayer. We receive your grace. We receive your grace. Some of you right now in this room, you're so tired. Maybe you're in ministry. Maybe you have your own business. Maybe you're the homeschool mom I was talking about. Maybe you're the dad who's got two jobs. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're about to burn out. I'm speaking to you this morning. Receive his grace. Receive his empowering presence. Receive it now. Hear the voice of the father. He's the dad that's the son. Can, can daddy pick that up for you? I got it, dad. Uh, 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 they can't, is it too heavy? I'm going to try again. Uh, uh, and then you go, can daddy help you now? It's really easy for me to lift. And some of us need to let God do the heavy lifting. Just close your eyes for a moment. Let's just make this very practical and receive grace. We stand right now, Father, before the throne of grace. And out of his throne right now, whether you see it, whether you feel it or not, there's life emanating. Receive it. There's hope emanating. There's joy coming forth from the throne of his grace. There's power emanating. And there's grace emanating. So right now we receive your great grace. And I thank you, Lord, that from today on everything changes. As we learn how to yield our hearts and minds to your spirit. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Just watching the Spirit of God move. Just watching him move over you. I'm seeing colors. And they're just moving like fabrics through the, each aisle. And just receive the Spirit of God. It's touching you. The thing that I began to see in worship was I saw this beautiful rainbow and I saw like gold falling out of it. And there's a promise of his presence for this house. There's a promise of his presence. And so Lord, right now we receive from you. We receive your grace. Is there a Tony here? A Tony? Thank you, Jesus. Just felt like I heard the name Tony. I'm not going to do the prophetic thing. Do you know a Tony? <laughs> Did you want to be named Tony when you were a kid? <laughs> Let me see if I get more, okay? Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. Father, we thank you. We receive from you, Holy Spirit. Remember, you're in awakening. So right now, I want to teach you something. Don't wait for me to wave my hand and magic come out of it. We've been so trained to receive from the man of God. 
that we haven't been taught well enough to receive directly from his presence. So for a moment, close your eyes and just yield your heart to him. This gentleman in the nice blue shirt and this, yeah, you, can you just come up here? I want to pray for you. I want to bless you. Don't be afraid. I won't say anything. Some people get scared of the prophetic. Father, we thank you right now. What time has the kids got to be out of the children's church? Just stand here with you. Is that your sweetheart? You don't want to stand next to him? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Lord, we thank you for this couple. Let's have some of you Thrive guys surround them. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. The power of God's touching you, ma'am. As soon as you came up here, I saw the Lord begin to touch you. He's healing your body. Right now, there's something that you've been dealing with for many, many years. It's reoccurring. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're bringing strength. You're breaking fatigue in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for supernatural rest in the name of the Lord. Right? I keep seeing this, like, uh, what's that called? The sleep apnea thing. It's like the enemy's been trying to restrict your lungs and your sleep. And so, Lord, we break that assignment right now off of her in the name of Jesus. And we call forth the gifts of God. I just, you are a treasure in the spirit. There's something about treasures and even jewels and gems. And I feel like in the natural, you kind of like bling bling stuff. But there really is something of your heart connected to the things of heaven. You have fine taste. And I, and I, I just feel like so much of that is because you've had glimpses of heaven. And God's taste is so fine that his streets are paved with gold. And so, Lord, I thank you right now. And there really is, uh, God, sir, uh, sir the, the Lord is speaking to your heart about an inheritance even for your children. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are turning things, things that not necessarily go the direction that, that you thought they were going to go. But I just want to speak over you right now. A divine reversal is taking place. Any way that, that, that the enemy has tried to come against your finances, uh, I just see the Lord right now doing a divine reversal. Pursue, overtake, recover all. We declare that over you right now. Even those that were in your family that knew the Lord at one time that have turned, that there's going to be a turnaround. You guys are stepping into the year of the turnaround. So, Lord, we just declare right now the harvest in their family, in their home, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for this man's heart. I bless you. I don't know what you've done as a career, but I just felt like the Lord said to honor you for what you've done and how you've served people in the past. So, Lord, we just bless this man right now in the name of Jesus. And the Lord is... is, is is, uh, is uh, like I see you on one of those machines where he's stretching your legs and your arms and your back and there's coming a flexibility in your muscles. Any stiffness, we just thank you, God. Just you're healing his body. I just feel to encourage the two of you guys. I saw you hiking. I saw you doing a lot more outdoorsy stuff together. Yesterday. And so, yesterday. So Lord, we just thank you. That's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna increase because you gotta, got a long, long more time on this earth for the grandbabies. So we just bless what you're doing. Let the power of the Holy Spirit just be released over them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Whew. You guys okay? You guys awake? All right. Where's my brother? Um, I met you at the Applebee's. Your name came and then left. Come on up. I want to prophesy over a few people that I want to call the ministry team up. That I want to just speak hope and life over people that really need it. And just declare the goodness of God over them. Is your spouse here? Come here. Hi, my name is Ivan. 
Let's have you guys come back up. I love when you guys do that. It's, I, I just think sometimes, you know, we lay hands, and it's not only for healing. Sometimes it's just it makes people feel comfortable. Lord, I bless this couple. As you begin to talk to me back there, the Lord spoke to me about your business. You have a radical gift of faith on you, and it's amazing. And it kind of scares your wife a little bit because you will do anything God says. If he said sell it all and move, you would do it to, to right now. And, uh, and I, that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. You're, you're establishing. But there's something in you that is such a pioneer that you have to pioneer. And I feel like in the midst of the season that you're in, of actually digging your roots down, he's still giving you a way to pioneer. And it's multiple businesses and multiple opportunities. And so, Lord, I thank you. God is bringing people around you, and they'll provide the ideas, and you'll provide the financing. And so the Lord is going to create opportunities for you that would never happen other than the grace of God and the favor of God that rests on your life. And so, Lord, I thank you. And for you, ma'am, I just feel like the Lord is, 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 is so in love with your sense of humor. And I feel like at times you joke with the Lord and you say, you know, Lord, you send some people to, 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 to third world countries. Well, first world people need the kingdom too. And I actually see the Lord bringing you to places to really impact people of influence. And so, Lord, I just thank you right now. And I, as I pray for you too, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, see, for you, I feel like this radical evangelistic grace on your life, healing, signs and wonders, boldness. Oh, like you, you want to go out and preach the gospel to the multitudes. But for you, you're such a strong support. But behind the scenes, you're the prophet of the house. And so, Lord, we just increase, we pray, increase over the word of wisdom, Lord, and direction. So you see the vision, but she gets the timing. And so, Lord, I bless their family. Let their house increase. There's something over your home that's a magnet for children. And I just feel like God will will impress upon your heart a spirit of adoption. And your heart will open to children that are not your own. Oh, don't cry. You make me cry. Lord, I thank you right now for their heart, for the widow, the orphan, and the poor. We bless them right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. (laughs) Anybody else like that? I cry at chick chick flicks all the time. (laughs) There's a lot of you here this morning, and you're hungry. You're hungry for God. A word from the Lord. Let's have the ministry team come up. Lord, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. Where'd you go? I closed my eyes and I saw, I'm looking for your face. Oh, there you go. You, could you stand? Yeah. I'm directionally challenged. My wife always tells me, if you think it's right, go left. So would you stand over here so I could just lay hands on you? Father, I thank you for this man, and I thank you for what you're doing in his life in this season. Lord, I thank you. As soon as I laid hands on you, I saw you juggling many plates. And I feel like the Lord is going to cause you to step into a season where you're not having to juggle so many plates anymore. There's many things that you do for your family, things that you do just because you're a good man. But you're stepping into a season of things that are really burning on your heart to do. It's going to require faith. It's going to require a step of faith. But you already know that you're in this season. And in a way, things are already getting tighter. That You're already going to have to make a decision. You know what I'm saying, right? So, Lord, I thank you right now. He's already, I'm just here to tell you, he's already put a word in your heart. It's like a seed. And faith will water the seed. And God will be with you as you take a step into this venture. Lord, I bless this man right now in the name of Jesus. I bless his heart for his family. And I speak peace over you right now. 
if it wasn't for your present situation, you would have done it a long time ago because you're a wise man and you want to you make sure that you're making the right decision. But I don't know you, and if this is correct, it's from the Lord. He's going to be with you. And so, Lord, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for peace over his mind. You're an over-processor. Your mind doesn't ever stop moving. And so I speak peace to your mind that you would be able to listen to the voice of God that's speaking deep inside your heart in Jesus' name. I want to bless this newly couple over here. I guess the last time I was here a few years ago, I whispered, um, and I said, your daughter's about to get married. And uh, how much longer after? Three months after. Who else wants that prophetic word? Hey! Last night at the youth, co- the youth event, I said, I should just give a really general word and be like, I feel like your spouse is in the room. <laughs> you don't want to do that at a youth event with a bunch of singles. That was a joke, guys. Man. Can I have you guys stand up? I want to bless you. Just want to bless you. want to bless you. Lord, I just thank you so much that this is God. This is the hand of God. So I thank you, Holy Spirit, that what God has joined together, no man could put asunder. And for you, young man, I feel like you have made many sacrifices in your life. And there's many things that you said no to. There's a favor of God on your life that opens doors. It's not always God opening the door, though. Sometimes it's just the favor on your life and your skill set and your abilities. But what I'm seeing is that God is going to begin to position the two of you into a place where you are thriving in your life. I see fruitfulness. I see abundance. And right now you're in this kind of transitional season, not just in your marriage, but also just with work and just trying to figure stuff out. And I just want to speak to you that God will fasten you like a peg in a secure place. What I'm seeing is security, security, security. We declare it over the two of you in the name of Jesus. I see things moving very, very quickly for the two of you. And I I, I can't get anything really specific as for the job for this guy. But what I'm seeing is, is your hands got really big. And I just feel like God has given you ability to big, large, uh, big, build large things. There's something of a builder's anointing on you. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're going to prosper this man in the name of Jesus. I feel like God is going to give your wife a timeline in the spirit. And she's going to be able to say, if I could just say this, you guys, dad can punch me. You know, here's when we start having the baby. But here's when we start doing this. And here's when, because there's a plan. Is it already happening? Okay. We bless the baby, God. We thank you for what you're doing. I bless your heart. I speak peace to it. I don't know, young man. I just want to, let me lay hands on you and just release over you right now, just peace. You have such a heart to provide. You so are a family man. I don't know if you have many siblings and what your relationship was to them, but in some ways you're already a dad. And God, I just thank you for this man. I don't know where you're from, if you're here, if you guys met here, but you're from somewhere else. But I actually see family members drawing close to you. And so I just call forth those family members that are close to your heart that are not here to to draw close to you in this season. That you'll see some family members moving to be around you. So Lord, I bless this family. You just, 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 just declare blessing over them. Just on three, just say bless. One, two, three. Bless. We bless the two of you guys in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was in a meeting in uh, California, and I was praying over this woman, and I said, I bless the baby in your womb. And, uh, and she says, nobody knows that yet. We just found out. And so that's always fun when God does that. So, so Lord, we thank you. 
This couple right here, God wants to speak to two of you guys. Yeah, would you two stand up? Lord, we thank you. Listen, I love it when you guys stretch your hands with me and there's faith that's, yeah. <sighs> Holy Spirit, I thank you for this couple. And I thank you for what you're doing in their life. I see, sir, the Lord taking you high on mountaintops to speak to you. I feel, when I, when I looked at you, what I saw was like a mountain bike. I saw one of those backpacks with the water, like an active lifestyle. And I feel like God will speak to you through nature. That there's a, there's a coming away season for you. There's a coming away to get fresh perspective right now. And so, Lord, I thank you for Psalms 91.1. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High. Right, that whole passage of scripture there. And I feel like there's something of what's going on in the midst of you that all you have to do is come up here. Even if it's a literal mountain and come away and God's gonna give you some clear perspective because there are some changes that you're feeling. But you're not exactly sure how to make it happen or what to do. But I feel like God's going to give you a heavenly perspective. But it's connected to, I know this is probably sounds weird, but connected to your fitness. Connected to, you almost gotta go for like a really long bike ride with God. It's almost like 10 miles, something. And you're gonna have a breakthrough. Because I feel like right now you're processing things so much that you almost need that release. And so, Lord, I bless the decisions for this family right now and what you're doing. There is transition, and ma'am, you can feel it. And you both can feel it. And so, Lord, I thank you right now that in the midst of whatever this transition looks like, Lord, that your hand is with them. And I see the Lord comforting you, ma'am. There's a spirit of comfort over you. And so, Lord, I thank you right now. I also see young people coming around the two of you, not little, little children, almost like teenage children. I'm not sure what that is. But, Lord, I just thank you. You guys have influence with that age group. So, Lord, we bless this couple right now. And I'm seeing the Lord, and he's pouring that Mary Alabaster vial over you. So there's something over your life with worship as well. So, God, I just thank you right now. Let a fresh anointing come upon them. But ultimately, what I'm praying for you guys is that clarity is going to come in the season. I speak that over the two of you. I know you'd love it if I gave you what that word was, but I don't see it. What I do see is, is the timepiece, and it's, it's like the north, the south, the east, the west, that thing is moving. And you know it's moving, but you're not sure. It hasn't locked on yet. And I feel like God's going to give that to you. So, Lord, we bless this couple in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much. Whoo! I was praying for that couple, and while I was around there, does anybody near them work at a hospital? You do? You work at a hospital. Both of you work at a hospital. Okay. Well, bless your hospital work. I thought I was getting a word for somebody else. How many of you know that if you really walk in the prophetic, it, you're just as amazed when you get things right as anybody else? If you ever see an arrogant prophet, don't listen to anything. I'm always so surprised. I'm like, that was right? Wow, that's cool. Let's have you stand. I'm going to do this for a few more people, and I know it's fun, and then we're going to have the ministry team come up and give these lions an opportunity to bless. I love you. You are amazing, and God has done such an incredible transformation since I've last seen you to now, and he is trusting you with the Esther 414 scepter for such a time as this. You walked in favor. You walked in grace. Whatever happened, we don't need to go back. But now you're in a season, once again, of trusting. And, and now that same scepter is being extended to you again of influence 
and authority and building and organizing and dreaming and all the things that are in your heart. And you too trust, but there's still a little bit of a hesitation. And God wants to completely remove that hesitation because the Lord is going to use you to take this ministry to another level. You're a huge key in what God is doing here. Not just in the practical stuff, there's also such a mothering in the supernatural. And I feel like you, you walk in the supernatural in such a way that you can raise sons and daughters in it. I actually saw you carrying a mantle, and there were young Samuels and little Deborahs that were under the mantle. It wasn't teenagers. It was actually very littles. So, Lord, whatever it is that you're placing within her heart, even for a prophetic company to emerge within the 8- to 10-year-old age group, God, that he's going to begin to speak to you things that as you yield your heart to him, it's going to shock you. Is this your daughter? Lord, I bless her daughter, and I thank you for her, God. I thank you for what you're doing in her life, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I saw something really interesting, and I'm going to share the picture, then I'll explain it. Because sometimes the picture is meaningful. Sometimes it's just for me. I saw you washing a dog. And I thought, Lord, what is it that you're showing me? And I feel like you're that person that you can be friends with anyone. And to me, the dog always represents friendship. And a lot of your friends need to be washed in love. And I just feel to even encourage mom not to be concerned about some of these friends. Because actually, <laughs> actually, they're not going to change you. You're going to change them because of your love. And so, Lord, we bless her right now. And God has a plan for you. And I want to encourage you. For some reason, you're in a little bit of a hurry trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. And part of it is that you're not seeing it because he's not showing it to you. Because you actually have a ministry right now around, among your peers. So don't look for the future. Look for now. Right? You have it in your heart to go to school. There's things that you have in your heart. You're asking these questions about finances. God, it's like, I'm your dad. I got it. He's not showing you these things right now because he doesn't want you to fast forward through this season of life because there's things you're learning right now that are very important. Does that make sense? So, Lord, I also pray. I saw the Lord give you some running shoes, and I feel like there's two things. Number one, natural, practical, even with sports. There's something with athletics. It's time to get back into it. Does that make sense? The other thing is this. I see you running hard after God, even with the desires in your heart to do short-term mission stuff. There's things that he's asking you to do now before some of that other, other stuff. Make sense? Amen. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. The, I'm not good with, like, the names and all that stuff. I just, so a lot of times I miss it, but I know that builds a lot of faith, right? <laughs> but the other name I was hearing was Mark. Now, I know there's a book of Mark. Is, are you Mark? Thank you, God. <laughs> I couldn't have bombed two names. Mark, could you come up here, please? Is that your wife? You can bring her up. I think after Mark, I'll be done unless I get another name. Your grandfather's Tony? That's cool. Is that cool? Man, I'm not a false prophet. I was starting to wonder. I was getting nervous. You know, like you see guys like Sean Bowles, your name, your date, your address, your social security number. I, every time I try that, I bomb, you know. Because <laughs> you have to walk within the grace of God that's on your life. Yeah. Lord, I bless Mark and Nancy. Is Tony still alive? Okay. Wow. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Stretch your hands out to them. I just obviously remember your faces. But when I laid hands on you, I also want um, Ken and his wife to come up here. Ken, you and your wife come up here, please. Not trying to be bossy. 
Just right here. Just hold hands with this couple. These guys, they're faithful. They're pillars in the house of God. They're Barnabases. They support the ministry and they always have. And I feel like what rests on this couple rests on you. You two are faithful. You two will stick through whatever is going on. You don't judge your mothers and fathers. And so, Lord, I thank you for faithfulness in the name of Jesus. And Tim is Timothy, and that's who you are. You're Timothy. You're one who serves. You don't care to be in the front. But I also see things happening in your job as well. And there's increase coming for you. I saw a ladder, and you were climbing the ladder. You're climbing the ladder in this season. Watch and see, says the Lord, as promotion comes to you, even in this season. So, Lord, we thank you right now for what you're doing. And for you, what I'm seeing God do is increase. He's calling you to this creativity thing that's on you, to really begin to embrace it and really step into it and not question it in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, we just thank you. And he's also bringing strength to your bones. So we bless this couple. Right now, would you guys just pray for them as I continue ministry? Because there's something of what God's placed on your life that's coming upon them. Who here's got pain going up and down their shin right now? Sometimes when I pray for people, I pick up what's going on with them. But does anybody have sharp pain going up and down their shin? Just right here. Would you come up here, please? Everybody okay? You guys having fun? I never know. <laughs> here's the good news. All the Baptists would have already had lunch and been home by now. <laughs> you guys will get right in the restaurants. <clears throat> you have pain in your shins? Yes. Let's have the Thrive group come up here. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this man's life. I declare over you it's a new day. It's, you, guys, you guys are obviously together. I didn't see you snuck up. You guys snuck up. I bless the two of you. Listen to me. I don't believe in flattery. You guys are stepping into a new season in your life, in your marriage. It's a new day. And I thank you right now for lo, the winter's past. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just declare over them, Lord, hope, joy unspeakable, full of glory. And Lord, I just thank you. I saw the Lord touch your mind and he activated something in your mind. And so, God, I thank you for even inventions and ideas that will begin to come to him. Like a switch that was flipped open. You have a very vivid imagination. You had a very vivid imagination with your child. For some reason, you stopped. And now I see God unlocking that imagination, but in a greater dimension, almost teaching you how to encounter him through the imagination realm. So, Holy Spirit, we bless right now what other people thought was just weird. We thank you, God, that his imagination is actually very often how you speak to him. So, Lord, increase that imagination realm in the name of Jesus. I see computer screens around you. So, Lord, whatever he does for a living, that you would increase it. Whoa. He's the guy that can fix what nobody else can. And I thank you for that. And we bless his wife right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I lay hands on you. I saw your eyes, and they were piercing through the fog. And you're a giver of hope. And regardless of what's going on, you can always see the good. And I just bless that in you right now. And I'm telling you, God's doing something in your family, in your immediate family. Watch and see, says the Lord. The hand of God is on your immediate family. And I feel like there's sickness that's coming off of your family line. And I, I just cancel that assignment in the name of Jesus. And I'm seeing supernatural wholeness and health getting into your family. So right now, God, does that make sense to you? Yeah. So we just cancel any assignment of sickness 
off of them in the name of Jesus. And we thank you right now, Lord. Whoo! They're more than conquerors. They're overcomers. God's breaking you out of your shell. You like to be behind him, just like you are right now. But there's actually gifts and callings in you. There's even a song in your heart. And there's even creativity. I don't know if you do things with photography or what, but there's creativity that's resting inside of you that's a little dormant, that God is awakening in this hour. Right? No more hiding. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I'm thinking of it. It came to me, then it went. I kept hearing the song, Tiny Dancer. Who's the, who are you, Tiny Dancer? No, not Tony Danza. <laughs> it would be someone who is a dancer. Some type of ballerina, some type of dancer, tiny dancer. Some of you are waving at me. Hi. I don't know you. <laughs> Who's the tiny dancer? Come here. I used to play on the piano all the time. Used to play the piano. How about you, ma'am? You can come up here as well. But I was learning how to play that song. You're learning how to play that song piano. But you dance I play as well? Ballerina and piano at the same time. What's your story? I've always danced. Okay. Danced you guys stay here. Is there anybody that actually you did ballet? You did ballet. I, I know there's someone else. Did you come up here? Come up here. Where's my tiny dancers? Blue jean, baby. Uh, sorry, that's not Jesus. Is he still here? Is his presence still here? Okay. Just come on up here really quick. You felt the spirit? You guys come up here a little bit. We're just going to lay hands on you really quickly. And then we're going to call the ministry team up. Let's have some guys stand behind them. I know what the Lord's saying now. It took me a minute. Whew. See, I hope that when you see me operating in the prophetic that you're also like, it's fun with God. It requires faith. A lot of times I don't know what I'm getting, but you have to step out in faith. Father, I thank you right now for each and every one of these women that God is restoring promises to you. There's a restoration of he's restoring the joy of your salvation and even restoring things that happen in your youth. He's restoring your childhood, your innocence. So God, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing. As the power of God just begins to touch you, close your eyes. The power of God begins to touch you. And I see each and every one of you. And these garments are, are being exchanged for fresh new garments. You're in a new season. Each and every one of you, there are certain things that are very similar. You're coming out of a season that's been very, very challenging. I saw each and every one of you having shovels. And you've been digging and you've been digging and you've been digging. You've been contending. You've been believing. Some of you has been for your marriages. And I'm telling you right now, you've been digging ditches in faith, and now the water's going to begin to flow from this day forward. But here's what has to happen. Your mindset has to shift and believe that it's done. It's finished. So God, I thank you right now for what you're doing with your tiny dancers. God, with the power of your spirit, come. Ooh, more, 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 more. Father, more. Father, more. Father, more. Father, more. Father, more. Father, more. I, I see what God's doing with you. It's mirror, mirror on the wall. I want to see Jesus in that song. There's radical transformation that's happening on the inside of you. When I come back again and I look at you, I'm not going to recognize you. I'm telling you, God's already been speaking to you about certain things that he's asking you to do. Uh, it's, it's, some of the stuff is, has to do with, with actual outdoor things and things like that. He's already putting it on your heart and you're yielding to it. I'm telling, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm telling you right now, there's a friend of mine and I saw her zip and step out of her body, and she was a different person. And she's a, she's a totally different person. And that's what I'm seeing. God's doing such a transformation work in you. So, Lord, I just thank you right now for what you're doing. 
because you've been feeling fatigued lately. And so, Lord, I just thank you right now. There's some really practical things God's going to bring in your place. I see you drinking all those weird green juices and doing all that weird stuff. But listen, it's going to work. It's going to work. Lord, increase. Father, increase. Let's have that ministry team come up. Lord, we bless, we bless, we bless, we bless, we bless. Lord, we bless, we bless, we bless, we bless. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. Increase in Jesus' name. Here's what I want. If you're here and you heard the message and your heart needs to be encouraged, you need hope, you need to be strengthened, just quickly come up here and we're just going to bless you. We're going to declare good things over you. We may or may not get prophetic words as the Holy Spirit leads. Um, Please don't ask me for prophetic words. Uh, Just let God be God and let me be his servant. And uh, let's have a good time. So come on up here if you need encouragement or blessing. We'll lay hands. We'll pray for you, me and the team up here. Have a good time.